how much did you raise in 2016? Uh, we did round about like a half a million pounds uh, then, and then we did we did something in the single digit million altogether. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Max Rafaga. He's the founder of Finimize, the world's largest and most engaged finance community. He previously co-founded one of the largest e-commerce players in Switzerland and sold it with 200 employees to the largest Swiss media house. He was a Forbes 30 under 30 participant in 2016 and also a Techstars mentor. Mac, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's great. So when did you start building Finimize? Was it during the you building the e-commerce business or was it after? Um, it kind of started a little bit as a, as a side project. Um, and then I really started to devote my time to it, uh, fully at the end of 2016. Uh, so I started the company in August of 2016. And, and what is the company? Is it, is it a community play? Like how do you, how do you make money? So we define ourselves as a community business, uh, and we make money through uh, multiple revenue streams. So we have three revenue streams. Uh, we have advertising, we have subscription, and we have um, perhaps most relevant for your audience, the B2B licensing play as well, um, where we license content to other platforms. Oh, that's really interesting. So I think I get the ads model. That's probably sponsorships in your email sends on your site. Peel back that onion real quick before we do the other two revenue streams. What's a sponsorship to like your email list look like? Exactly. So we, we have a, uh, around about a million users, um, members as we refer to them, uh, all over the world. Uh, a very relevant target group for many uh, specifically financial institutions. And so they can buy access to, to that audience primarily through the newsletter, but also on the website, some of our meetups, etc. And you can buy a daily or, or a weekly or like a multi-month slot and, and get that brand awareness, brand exposure, um, and education of the market about your product. Can we go deeper for there for a second? So how many people are on the email list? Around about a million. Okay. And when you send out a sponsored sort of dedicated email send, how many typically open? Uh, so we have uh, pretty high open rates between like uh, in the high 30s, low 40%. Okay. So caught 300 or 400,000 open. And how many will click? Obviously, this is very dependent on how cool the sponsor is, right? If it's a bad sponsor, Absolutely. low clicks. Good sponsor who you love, more clicks. What's a good sponsor get? Uh that really depends. Uh, as you say, I mean, we see like 
10x variances. Um, oh, wow. It, re- it really depends. Like some, some stuff really resonates. Uh, and some stuff, uh, I think there's not, not as much as a, a sort of a, a partner audience fit. Uh, and that's why sometimes we do, we do test campaigns and people can try stuff out, test our audience. Um, and if they like it, they do more. And if not, they, they had a pretty minimal exposure. Mm-hmm. What, what would, you know, something that resonates well, what would you consider resonates well on 300,000 opens? They're going to get how many clicks? Uh, I mean, that can range from anywhere from like a thousand all the way to like thousands uh, of clicks uh, in, in one day. It really, it, there's a very, very wide um, uh, um, variance there. So how do you manage that? I mean, a lot of spon- folks who have a sponsorship newsletter, the Morning Brew style, the Stacked Marketer style, Druid Trend style, the sort of Substack, you know, subscription plus sponsor style they have the same issue. You're never quite sure how well sponsors are going to resonate. And if you sell them a number of clicks and then don't deliver, like what do you do? So we don't sell, we don't sell clicks. We sell uh, opens as I, I think is uh, the case for many of the newsletter products out there. Um, and so we say, Hey, we're, this is how many opens we estimate that you're going to get. Uh, and then we charge you on an open basis. Um, and that way we're incentivized to actually deliver your ads uh, to the audience and they, they open it. Um, but that, you know, we can control ultimately whether someone's going to click onto your, onto your product or onto your ad. Uh, what we do is we do a B testing. We work very, very uh, closely with the partners. We have our in-house copywriters produce the, produce the ad copy so that it feels as native as possible. Um, and then we just try and do our best, uh, also to, to apply our experiences there. Yep. So what would you charge? Like when you send your media kit out to a potential sponsor, 300,000 opens, a million, and let's just say they want to test one send. What, what are average rates look like? Uh, that's something that you'd have to talk to our sales uh, folks with. That's not something that we just would publicly communicate because there's so many different parameters um, involved here. Um, what's, the, what's the duration? Etc. So uh, probably one for for our sales team. Can can you help us get like uh, some sort of concreteness or, or less vague, just so people can learn live? So PitchBook came on the other day. They've got a list that's about your same size, about same open rate. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, look, it obviously varies on a lot of stuff, but we charge on average about seven thousand dollars per send to be included in the send. Uh, the number of clicks mm-hmm. we're not responsible for, but it's about seven thousand. They get about two hundred fifty thousand opens. I mean, are, can, is it fair to say you guys, you know, it's somewhere between maybe like five and 10 grand per, per placement, something like that. Yeah, that's probably in a, in a, in a, in a similar ballpark to okay. some of the other players in the market for sure. Okay. So, so that's one business model. Tell me about the other ones. So then we have, uh, our consumer subscription, um, which is a, uh, premium, uh, premium content play and the, um, end users essentially pay us, uh, 59.99 pounds or, uh, I think in the U.S. it's uh, seventy nine ninety nine U.S. dollars, depending on the, uh, depending on the day. <laughs> exactly, depending on the day, very much. Uh, and what that does is, um, and that's per so year or per month, current, per year. Okay. Um, and so what that does is it, it, it unlocks our full content library, um, which is currently primarily in the app, but um, we're also building out a web app uh, for this. Uh, we have over a hundred different um, audio guides, long form audio guides that explain anything from. How to uh, how to think about investing in Microsoft, or how to think about Google's moonshot uh, when you think about their investment uh, thesis there. Um, but the primary driver that we see why people buy this is we have two products. One is we have a daily brief, so we we basically explain to you every single day in under seven minutes uh, as an audio product 
uh, what's happened in the world of finance, very similar to our newsletter. Um, and then we have our analyst insights, which is, uh, I think, personally, the most exciting product. Um, and what, So we have a whole team of analysts who previously worked at Goldman Sachs and Bloomberg, um, really, really uh, sophisticated uh, financial experts. And they share their views and opinions on investing opportunities, investing trends. And so you can learn from their insights. And that, is, again, is available in text and in audio. Are they full-time employees of Finimize or they volunteer their time in analysis? No, it's, uh, it's our, uh, we have a full team of analysts. Oh, wow. It's one of the core assets that we, that we have is, is that team. Exactly. How big is that team? Uh, I think we are now six people. Oh wow! Six analysts. Wow! And how big is like your whole the whole operation, everything all together? How many total team members? Um, including a couple of like part timers, uh, I would say around about thirty, um, between twenty five and thirty, yep. depending on how you count it. Yeah. So we're pretty lean, but uh, but it works. Yeah. Well, hey, lean. There's nothing wrong with being lean. Nothing <laughs> wrong at all. All right. So newsletter membership consumer subscriptions and the last one uh so the last one is our api business which is a sort of our newest business um which very much came up came up from uh, inbound that we received oh wow um so what happened so what happened essentially was um we started getting a lot of investment platforms a lot of brokerages come to us and say hey uh we have a huge user base we're struggling a little bit to activate uh, all of them, and we want to use content to activate them. Um, there's a couple of examples. You know, Robinhood has, has done a decent job with this. Um, you're starting to see an E-Trade, uh, th- those kind of guys in their in their latest earnings reports talk about how content is a major activation driver for them. And so these platforms come to us and they say, "Hey, you know, we've tried content ourselves. We couldn't really crack it. We love the way that you guys do content. Can we have it?" And so. When we when we started to receive a couple of these inbound requests, we uh, we thought about what can we do, and we essentially uh, created an API. And now you can go uh, and plug into our API and pull um, the sort of a product palette that we've created from daily, weekly news, text, and audio. Hmm. And plug it directly into your own app, um, and so then all of a sudden you have a really really nice content library, uh, and then we sell that to you uh, in an annual as an annual license. Very interesting. And are you able to drive expansion revenue on that? I know it's new, but can you drive expansion revenue on that product based off like number of API calls annually or projected number of API calls? Yeah. So I think right now we're, we are early days. And so we're just doing a flat fee for, okay. for a year on the, on the product that you're doing, but a hundred percent what you said. So obviously one of the things that will be interesting is to start charging based on usage um, the other thing is obviously today we have a very small product palette uh, that we offer you by the API. Again, we're looking to expand that. Um, so a lot of things that we can do there. And Max, when you look at like the last 12 months, so 2020 is almost done. We'll just use this year as an example. What would you say the revenue split is between these three streams percentage-wise? Good question. So uh, certainly our, our fastest growing um, um, segment has been our subscriptions. Um, and I would say it's roughly, it's, it's, uh, maybe 70%, uh, subscriptions and advertising and then 30% licensing. Oh, so even that new business, it must, I mean, it must be growing pretty quickly to already be making up 30% of your total revenue. Yeah, it's been, it's been growing pretty nicely. 
That's super. I mean, this to me is what's fascinating, right? Is if you, if you agree today that social capital is the precursor to financial capital, you've done, when did you launch Finimize? What year? Uh, in, in end of 2016. Yeah. You've spent the last four years building your moat, your media moat, the attention, and now you can effectively launch any financial product pretty darn quickly on a, what you could call a better business model, a SaaS based or whatever, an API based business model. Are, are you seeing that pattern internally? Do you feel like you have a leg up versus your last e-commerce company built in Switzerland where you didn't have a big audience before you launched? Um, so we, I, I, I would caveat that a little bit. One of the learnings or one of the appreciations that I got for, for, for having scale is my previous business. So we were, um, we were reaching 25% of all households within Switzerland. Oh, at wow. The time. Um, we had a higher brand awareness than British Airways. What was so that business, by we were, the way? It was called uh, Dine Deal, which means your deal. Huh. Um, and it was one of those things like everybody knew it. Um, and if you weren't shopping with us, then you probably didn't like what we were doing. And uh, what what I was the reason why I mentioned this is we did a ton of experimentation into different product verticals, and we would test so many different. Uh, categories and if it worked we left it if it didn't work we killed it and the power here was that we had such a large audience that we could do that and so that's i think was one of the i think kernels that then let me uh, in the way i, I started building finimize is that scale is so crucial because exactly what you said it allows you to start testing some things um, as we are doing now mm-hmm. did you gain financial independence from the dine deal exit so you could take a big risk with finimize or was it sort of a nice exit you could take a couple months off but you had to sort of get back to work building something new yeah so i think uh you know i was i think 28 at the time um and uh i wouldn't say that i that i would would have never had to had to work again um but uh it was it was a it was a nice it was a nice exit and and, and i think it gave me freedom to to experiment uh, with with a new product uh, which i'm super grateful for yeah you and there was a lot of there were several of you guys there at the top right i mean there are a lot of founders five yes yeah <laughs> it's a lot of people to get to agree on one single direction right exactly how exactly. many are you a sole founder now finimize or you have multiple co-founders uh, i'm the only founder Oh, great. So, uh, gone the totally other direction. Yeah, that's I mean, that's one of the reasons I asked, right? You got one way, now you go the other. Now, have you bootstrapped Finimize yeah. or have you raised? We raised a little bit of money f- um, from some angels and from some uh, VCs, but uh, really not that much. What year was that? We raised uh, a pre-seed in uh, 2016, at the end of 2016 when we started. Uh, and then raise a little, little bit more money after that, um, primarily just to get a bunch of interesting people on board who could help us. But mm-hmm. uh, we, like I said, we've been pretty lean, um, which is which, which which has advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. I want to talk more about leanness in our last five minutes here, but can you quantify that for us? I mean, you did two rounds, it sounds like. How much did you raise in 2016? Uh, we did round about like a half a million pounds uh, then, and then we did... Um, we did something in the single digit, uh, um, million altogether. Um, I don't actually don't have the exact number off the top of my head. So nothing by any means, nothing major. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So altogether some, some, maybe around a million bucks USD, something like that. Probably a little bit more. But, okay. Uh, 
Yeah, in that ballpark. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So, so you use that capital, bring on, uh, you know, great, great new talent, run some new tests. Um, talk to me about running lean, right? I mean, how have you resisted the urge to go raise more capital to accelerate growth? How have you been able to stay patient? Yeah, so I think um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. Uh, so I think fun- fundamentally, one of the things that I think is really important is uh, that that it, that you're able to build a business and it feels like you're your business. Um, and I think what's sometimes a bit challenging is, uh, if you end up with, you know, like 7% of the, of the business that you started, um, then, and everybody else has the full control and you ultimately have become an employee, uh, you're no longer the actual founder. Um, so I think that was, uh, I think something that I valued is, is just having that independence, um, mm-hmm. and being able to steer the company. And I think, you know, the thing that we're building is, is not something that a has been done before and B um, is super easy to understand for everybody. Uh, you know, especially community plays are so complicated to really appreciate um, that I, that I wanted to make sure we have the right breathing room to actually build this properly. Mm-hmm. That all, that all makes interesting sense to me. Um, and, and so with these three business models moving forward, um, you said 70% is coming from ads plus the consumer subscriptions, 30% from a new API business, right? Like I said, roughly off the top of my head, that would yeah. be sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, On the consumer side, there's a lot of newsletter companies right now with very effective sort of ways to introduce a paywall, right? We see Substack mm-hmm. doing very well. We see people, mm-hmm. you know, setting up their own click funnels, things. How do you introduce the paywall? And can you give us a general sense of maybe how many new subscribers you're adding per month right now? Yeah, so I think for us, uh, um, we, I think we see two things. We're we're a little bit different to what you what you described with the example of Substack. So, um, we actually we've never done paid marketing up until this year, and the only reason why we started doing paid marketing is because we have our consumer subscription product, and that allows us, from a cash flow point of view, coming back to this leanness. Uh, that allows us to acquire customers um, and basically we get the money back uh, through the subscription that they pay us. And so we're using also the subscription to really build um, a new user base uh, in addition to the transfer that's happening from the newsletter into the subscription. So I think it's not like our user flow is not sign up for a newsletter and then we try to upsell you, although we do say there's there's more stuff here that you're missing. Um I think there's a there's sort of an overlap, and some people um, prefer to be on the newsletter, and we monetize those through the advertising, and some people prefer to be on subscription, and we monetize them through subscription and no advertising, and then there's an overlap. Um, but we we our aim is not to say everybody from the newsletter needs to be on the yep. subscription. We want to grow it both ways. Yep. No, it makes a lot of sense. When when did you officially launch that subscription product? In, in July of last year. Okay, so call it, call it 2019. And do you remember by the end of 2019 how many folks you'd signed up to that? Um, I do not remember the exact number, but I can tell you that um, in the US, we are usually in the top 15, top 20 highest grossing finance apps and in the UK, typically in the top three. Well, I know nothing about App Annie data and App Store data. What does it mean? What is a top grossing? I don't even know what the top grossing finance app is in the US. Like how much do you have to make to to make the top 10, would you say? 
they don't say that information, unfortunately. Uh, they don't tell you that. Um, they just give you sort of the, your relative ranks. Typically, the way these rankings work is you, you either measure it by downloads. So we're typically in the top 100 or top 50, depending on the country, um, downloaded finance apps. Uh, and then they look at, okay, so how much revenue do these apps make through the app store? Um, and so a lot of these apps um, are very established players like uh, Intuit has, has some apps that with QuickBooks that make a, a, a very, very high gross in products um, mm. in the ranks. Um, but they, unfortunately, App Annie and uh, Sensor Tower and those guys don't actually tell you the, the revenue numbers. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Before we wrap up, so can I mean, can you? Uh, you don't know the exact number, but are we talking like a thousand people on the consumer subscription, or like tens of thousands on the consumer subscription product? Uh, so we don't. We're not super keen on always uh, sharing these numbers, but it's definitely in the latter cap. Oh wow! Okay, so I'm going to give you yeah. a big range here for you to confirm. Or not. So, is it fair to say somewhere <laughs> between ten thousand and a hundred thousand subscribers there? Yes. Okay, fair. I won't push you harder. See, I'm being nice. We won't push any harder yeah. than that. But that's good. I mean, that's, I push you there because I want people to appreciate what you've done, right? I mean, that's not easy. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> is not easy. Uh, I mean, how many engineers, I mean, you have to build, you have to build the whole, yeah, you have to build the whole app, right? I mean, how many engineers do you have on the team? We have four, four full time engineers with us. Yeah. I mean, it's a custom built app, right? Tiny. Tiny. Yeah. It's custom built. I mean, pretty much everything we do is custom, even the audio. Um, the themes are our head of audio custom made. He composed the, the musical themes. Wow. Uh, everything we do is pretty much custom. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. Anything else I, I, you wish I asked about that you feel like is just like a secret that you've learned that I haven't asked about. Yeah. I think the power of community. Um, and, uh, and, and, and uh, I'll give you a couple of nuggets um, perhaps that are interesting. Um, I think number one, uh, we have this underlying product thesis that uh, people come for the content, they stay for the community. And one of the things that we've noticed is when it comes specifically to our subscription product, we see that the churn of our community engaged people is literally half of those who aren't engaged with the community. So community for us is a, very, is a huge retention driver. Wait, what do you mean by that? Uh, How do you define someone who has paid for the consumer app but is not active? How do you define that? They haven't downloaded it or... So when you when you buy a, buy a subscription, you get access to the premium community, and that means meetups that are only available for, for for premium members. But it also means we have these chat groups, and you only get access to the chat groups if you're part of the premium membership. And as soon as you engage with a chat group, for example, we see in the data that your retention rate doubles or your churn uh, okay. rate halves. Okay. Whereas if you're just a normal person consuming the content, you've still paid, you're still consuming, you're twice as likely to churn. Um, that's a really interesting insight. So that, a, a that, community uh, contributor versus a community lurker. Possibly. That's how you could describe it. What else? You were giving me a list. Power of community, number one. Come for content, stay for community. Engaged is lower okay. churn than not engaged. What else? Um, then obviously um, there's this whole... You know, I think there's two two ways that you can play community. One is you can really push word of mouth. Um, the other one is that you can really push customer satisfaction through NPS. Uh, we've been more focused on the NPS side of things. Um, and then the final piece, which I think is interesting, and one of the things that we've now been really focusing on is the whole concept of UGC, right? So user-generated content. Um, and so we're finding new ways how we can empower our audience, our community, to create content, and then we can use that content and the insights that we get from the community 
to share it with the rest of our audience. And we were doing that through text, but also through our audio product, which is super cool. Interesting. Um, so UGC is another thing that's, you know, you're typically used to it on like Reddit, those kind of platforms. But the thing that we're exploring for the first time really is can you create an interesting, useful audio UGC product? And that's what we're working on. Really interesting. All right, Mac, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. I'll give you the most recent one I, I, I read because I love it is the autobiography of Michael Ovitz, the founder of CAA. Big red cover, right? Oh, exactly. oh the autobi- wait, power or the, his autobiography? Autobiography also has a red cover. Oh, got it. but you're not talking about the book called Power? No. Okay, got uh, it. This is autobiography. I think it's just called like Michael Ovitz. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Read. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, I'll give you, I'll give you two, two sides of the coin. I think obviously on the, on the, uh, in the tech world, you know, huge, uh, admiration for people on the very top, like, uh, Jeff Bezos, et cetera. Um, but I also really love to learn about people who are not in the tech world, like the person who founded Whole Foods or the person who founded Patagonia. Um, and really just to get slightly different, um, perspectives uh, on how to run a company. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for growing Finimize? As in uh, X for user acquisition or growing us as an organization for internal purposes? User acquisition. TikTok. Number, I want to ask so many questions about that. We're out of time. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, I try to get eight. And And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Uh, I've been in a long-term relationship. Any kiddos? No, not yet. Okay. And how old are you? I am 33. All right, Max, take us home here. What do you wish you knew when you were 20? Go with the flow. Uh, it'll all make sense as you go along. <laughs> Guys, there you have it. Finimize three different revenue streams. We've got a million folks on their newsletter. They focus on being highly and having them be highly engaged via their MPS score. They've also scaled a consumer subscription product at $80 a year. They're also just launched their fastest growing revenue stream, their API product, which makes up 30% of their total revenue as they look to continue to scale. They've done this on a very pretty capital efficient way. One point, you know, caught between one and $3 million raised team size of 34 engineers their own app built really focused now on driving user retention by helping community members contribute content both audio format and text format we'll see where that leads in the meantime max thanks for taking us to the top perfect summary thanks so much